So, um, what did we learn last week? Okay, very good. We're giving a good impression upon Pastor Brown. We learned absolutely nothing. All right, last week I showed you this uh, short video. Right, I don't know if you recall it. Doesn't seem to play to work, but that's not a problem. Our message last week was the judge is coming. Oh, when Jesus first came, he came as an infant, helpless child, born in a manger, with his first visitor shepherds. But the Bible tells us that when he returns, he will come in his glory. And when he comes as judge, he will determine who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Therefore, I proposed this statement yesterday. Everyone has eternal life. Everyone. The question is, where? The question is, where will you spend eternal life? So, the scales can tip one way or the other. All your money, your church, your religion, your good works, all of them combined cannot tip the scale in your favor because only one sin. You see the sin is really, really small. Some of you might not even be able to see it. Okay, maybe you just have LASIK surgery or something. But the point being is one sin is enough to send you to your eternity in a place that you don't want to be. One sin can send you to hell. Just one sin. That's why in Revelation 21, the Bible tells us, for the cowardly, the vile, the unbelieving, the sexually immoral, the idolaters, those who practice magic arts, those are really, really big and bad sins. But then it goes to say, and all liars. Their place is the fiery link of burning sulfur, which is the second death. And all the money you have, all the religion you have, all the good works that you may have will not be able to tip the scale in your favor. However, all the lying, cheating, immorality, adultery, adultery, unbelief, sorcery, bitterness, anger, envy, lust, pride, and indifference that you may have. If you have the blood of Jesus, it tips the scale in your favor. And once that scale is tipped in your favor, the Bible tells us that your place in heaven is secure. Your investment in heaven through the Son, Jesus Christ, will never fade, never tarnish, it will never diminish. That is a place eternally secure for you, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Aren't you glad that you and I don't have to work for our salvation? That Jesus Christ paid for it all. And all we need to do is exercise a step of faith and believe that because of what Jesus Christ has done, we have a place, we have a home to go to, which is called heaven. It's February, and it's what? Labnat is the love month, right? And I'm sure many of you are already uh, 
thinking about how you will spend next Friday. Next Friday is what? D group. Very good. I have so godly people here. Next Friday is February 14, and while the rest of the world is going to think and how to spend their Valentine's Day, some CCF members are thinking about their discipleship group meeting that happens to meet on a Friday. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I'd like to be the first to greet everyone a happy Valentine's Day. But I would like to greet you a happy Valentine's Day this way you see the love that we can share with one another is not really just because of hearts it is really because of the Lord Jesus Christ he is the one who really demonstrated for us what it means to love first John tells us that we love because he first loved us so the whole essence of this love thing really comes from God. Imagine in 2013, $17.6 billion. That's B, not M. $17.6 billion were spent on Valentine's Day. Imagine, and that is in a recession. So happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day to all of us. And we celebrate Valentine's because of a four-letter word called love. I want to speak on this this morning, and I want to ask us, what is love anyway? The world has so confused us about the true meaning of love, especially when you go watch a movie. Nowadays, you cannot watch a movie without having to be introduced to the concept of love directly equated to sex. In the old, okay, I will use it because I'm 55. In the olden days, right? When you wanted to watch a movie, it was sufficient that the man and the woman entered the room. It's up to you to decide and to determine what happened. Nowadays, you're not only in the room, you're in the bed. Because that's the concept of love that they want us to believe and accept. But the concept of love that we'd like to define, and we have used this for in CCF, is love is an unconditional commitment directed towards imperfect people seeking their highest good, which often requires sacrifice. You see, friends, love is not just a feeling. It is a commitment. I have had some discipleship group members in Manila, and they come to me, and we discuss, including their love life. So what's going on? And he says, uh, Pastor, I really like this girl. So what's the problem? She's in a relationship. Oh, well, all is not lost. Why? No ring yet. The ring is the symbol of your commitment to this one person. Okay, I will call her. I know your girlfriend. No ring yet. No ring yet. 
in another premarital counseling session that I had before, the guy says to me, Pastor, my girlfriend, she doesn't want to submit. I ask her very I ask him very simply, is he already your wife? And the wife oh everybody why is everybody silent all of a sudden? <laughs> Until you make that commitment to say your I do to this woman and she becomes your wife, she is not under the umbrella of wife. What? Ladies, can you please answer? Wives? It's garbled. I I can <laughs> wives submit to your Husband, Hus you're not yet a husband. You have not, <laughs> you have not said your I do's yet. It's good to practice while you're still in the day, you know, while you're preparing for the, the wedding day, but not before and not until the ring. There's no commitment yet. We are all imperfect. That's why love has to be a commitment be because we all have some unlovable trait. You may be as cute as, I don't know who the famous movie stars nowadays. But how are you at home? You might be as grumpy as, you know, the guy in Gulliver. You remember him? We're never going to make it. We're doomed. Right? Love has its core as the intention of seeking the highest good for the other person. Human love is selfish. The love that we know from the Bible is selfless. It is directed towards other people, seeking their highest good. And the love that we know means that you are willing to show love by your actions. It is your willingness to let the other one go first. It is your willingness to have the desires of the other persons first over yours. It requires sacrifice and if you will allow me some latitude I'm going to use an acrostic which was used in our son's wedding last January the 5th in Manila how do we spell love it's going to be a little quote-unquote selfish if you will allow but I'll spell love for us this way love is spelled Bear with me, all right? Bear with me. First, first C, love is spelled commitment. So you know we have three points today. Love is spelled first, CCF. First is commitment. Let's read Daniel chapter 1. Can we all read this? But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now, what's so bad about having some good food? If I invited you for a good all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue dinner, would you go with me? No. <laughs> he knows the place. That's why it's a resounding yes. In the, oh. in the, case, of, in the case of Daniel, okay, they were taken over by the Babylonians. And Daniel and the Israelites were brought over. And the king chose some people to be trained for service in the palace. 
And part of the training was, of course, you have to feed these guys. Because the king would choose able-bodied, intelligent, wise men. And if you presented to the king some weaklings, you might lose your job and in the process lose your head. So they had to feed Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the original three stooges. Okay. Oh, you're too young. Anyway, they fed them good food. But Daniel, I underlined it, made up his mind. In your other translations, it would read, Daniel resolved. He was committed to God that he would not defile himself even in the most insignificant, shall we say, aspect of food. He said in the latter part, he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. He asked permission, but his mind was set. He had the resolve. He had the commitment not to defile himself. So in verse 12, it reads, Please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and appearance of the youths who you who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he was asking permission to be tested. Give us just vegetables and water and the others take the food that they want to eat. And then after 10 days, you be the judge. If we are still as strong, if not stronger, than the ones who will eat the king's food. On our part, just give me vegetables and water. So what happened? Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of all of them, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. What did they eat? Vegetables, what did they drink? Water. The others, maybe meat. They drank maybe wine. But for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they ate only vegetables and water. They were committed to God that they decided not to defile themselves even in the simple area of food. And they were willing to be subjected to the test because they knew that God was with them. And at the end of the appointed time, who were chosen? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? They were committed to God. They loved their God more than they loved the food. And they resolved not to defile themselves. So they entered the king's personal service and Daniel rose up in the ranks he was relied upon for counsel and you have the whole book of Daniel another person I'd like to call our attention to is the Apostle Paul look at his commitment in Romans 9 verse 1 to 3 I am telling the truth 
in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself be accursed, separated from God for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Do you see the heart of Paul? Paul was called by God, by Jesus Christ himself. He was commissioned to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter was called to bring the gospel to the Jews. But do you see the heart of Paul? Do you see how committed Paul was to be able to communicate the gospel, to allow the other people the opportunity to come to faith in Christ? I see it. He is willing. He said, if I could, let me be the one separated from Christ, accursed from Christ, so that these other people may come to faith in Him. You see the commitment of Paul? He was so driven. He was so committed. God, let me be the one to go to hell that this person might go to heaven. Do we have that commitment to the gospel? Do you love somebody so much that you're willing to give up what you have so that this person, this other person, maybe not even deserving of it, may know about Jesus Christ? And of course, the supreme example, our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 22. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. This is when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas had already betrayed him, and he knew that his hour has come. His hour when he would be arrested, tortured, mocked, and executed at the cross. And you see the heart of Jesus, his humanity and his deity all in one phrase. Not my will, but your will be done. In other parts of the Gospels, he says, my food is to do the will of the Father. So Jesus Christ was so focused, he was so committed, he was so driven. But yet his humanity says, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other escape for these people, then will you spare me the cup of this suffering? But at the same time, if this is the only way, then let your will be done. This was his prayer. And who was, he, who was he praying it for? Look to your right, look to your left, look behind you, look in front. He did this for us. And as he was praying, being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat 
became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Have you prayed for somebody with such intensity that your cells would begin to burst and drops of blood would, would drip from your forehead, from your side? Jesus knew what he had to face. But the book of Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And that joy, brother and sister, is your coming to faith in Jesus. He endured that for you. He endured that for me. He endured that for all of mankind. He was committed. He was so focused, he was so driven. Yet at the same time, he felt the agony, the emotional anguish of having to go to the cross. You see, love is not just a feeling. It is a decision. And you have to be committed to that decision. This morning, I would like to call a sister in Christ to share with us her story about what God is allowing in her life. Will you please welcome our sister, Anne Barameda. Good morning. <clears throat> Not my will, but his. In 1990, I nursed a bubble-eyed goldfish in my aquarium that had a gaping ulcer in its stomach. Since I took fancy on this one over the other fishes in my aquarium, I tried all possible fish medicines there is at that time so that the wound would close. I was not successful. The wound became bigger and the goldfish condition worsened that it moved around the tank, belly up. Have you seen a fish, you know, swim belly up? That was my fish. I knew that soon my favorite fish would die. It was also about this time when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior. He was not my Lord yet as I was still in the get-to-know-you stage with him. At that time, I was just learning to pray, to talk to someone I couldn't see. I was a new believer. I remember asking him to heal my fish and close the gaping wound. God answered my prayers, and to my amazement, I witnessed how the following days, the fish's wound actually healed and closed. The event, this event in my journey as a new believer served as a reminder that truly God is alive and he is in the business of answering prayers. 19 years after, I again had to deal with another gaping wound this time, it was not any more of a fish. 
rather it was my own. In November 2009, I was diagnosed with stage one invasive ductal carcinoma and had to go through a radical mastectomy with reconstructive surgery to remove an aggressive tumor in my breast. I had the best team of top-notch doctors whom God himself put together. That team I did not seek. It just fell into place. How it happened is another story. The surgery went well and after six days, I was discharged from the hospital. A couple of days after, I noticed fluid oozing from my wound. A couple days more, I was collecting fluid that filled eight ounce cups. The laboratory results showed that I was infected by the MRSA bacteria. That's methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureus, a type of bacteria that is very difficult to treat because it is resistant to most antibiotics. The strain that infected me was resistant to all except one. This development saddened my surgeon because he was aware that I can go into sepsis or organ failure, organ shutdown, and die from the infection. He asked, actually, when my son, who was at that time studying in Cleveland, was coming home. This was the bigger threat at that time, bigger than the cancer that I had. The surgeons had to open me up again to flush away the bacteria and to remove what it has damaged. The storm that the bacteria caused left a fist-sized open wound in my chest. This development has complicated my cancer treatment because I had to go through chemotherapy within a specific time from my surgery. The surgeons thought of doing a skin graft just to close the wound, but the oncologist who's going to give me the chemotherapy did not want to start the chemo treatment until the wound heals because he said, that the chemo drugs will kill the, draft, the graft. They did not want to postpone the treatment so as not to compromise its efficacy too. So this was a perplexing and frustrating moment for all of us. We didn't know what to do. There was nowhere to go but God. There was nothing that could be done but pray. And pray we did, not just my family, relatives, friends, D-group members, but the whole CCF community. Lynette was a prayer partner. Even people I did not know prayed for me. They stormed the portals of heaven, and God answered. On December 26th, about two weeks from the time I was opened up again, I went to see my surgeon for a checkup. She asked my husband if he noticed the two tiny white spots in my wound. 
He said that they were not there that morning. The doctor said they were actually epithelial islands, the beginning of new skin. The next days were witnessed to God's miracle. The islands grew arm-like structures that were seemingly racing against each other so that they can cover each every inch of the open wound. The speed by which this happened amazed even the most seasoned doctors. In two weeks, my wounds were closed. On January 14, I started my chemotherapy treatment on time. Just like what he did to my fish, he closed the wound. If he is able to close the wound of my fish, what more my wound? Our pain matters to him. And he answers our prayers. Today, I am four years in remission. People say that I need six more years to say that I am cured. I look forward to the day when I can say that I am cancer-free. When God brings me to memory, please pray for my complete healing. His will, my peace. In his time, in him I will never be shaken. Psalm 8 verses 3 to 9 says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll pray for our sister Anne in a little while. What does this have to do with commitment? What does our sister Anne's story have to do with commitment? I submit to you it has everything to do with commitment. Because many of us come to faith in Christ and when God allows trials and temptation, we are the first to bail. We give up. We quit. We turn on back on God. We even tell God, God, where are you? He was there. He was agonizing for you. He was agonizing for me. He was dropping sweat drops of blood for you and for me. How dare we question the commitment of our Lord Jesus Christ? Did you hear it? Our sister Anne just came to faith and to be tested with cancer of all things. 
Yet God showed how committed He is to her, to us. Even to heal the fish. To remind you, to remind us, there is nothing impossible with God. There is no cancer more powerful than God. The worst sin that you may have ever committed is nothing compared to the blood that Jesus Christ has shed for you. Please, brothers and sisters, let us never doubt God's commitment to us. Let's not run away when God allows trials and tribulation to come. Instead of running away, please, let's run to God. He loves us and He is 100% committed to us. He is there with us right in the midst even of our biggest temptation. He is right there with us even in the midst of our biggest trial. Will you also please remember my wife? She's not here today. She's down with the cold. And you know she's just recovering from her kidney transplant. So she's taking immunosuppressants. Her, her resistance is down but she caught a cold. She couldn't sleep last night. And I decided, I said, you, you just stay at home and rest. But see, she can be there. But God is with her. We are here. God is with us. You can be up on the mountaintops and God is there. You can be in the deepest pit. If you have Christ, God is with you. Love is a commitment. No turning back. Those of you who are baptized right behind me, no turning back. No turning back. Second, love involves communication. Love involves communication. Studies have shown that communication is 55% body language, 38% tone, and only 7% actual words. But if you're mad, I submit to you all of this is like a fruit salad. You don't, you're not able to discern anymore which is body language, which is tone, which is words because there is samut sari na. Wala na si Pastor, wala na si Pastor Brown Pednak magtagalog. Hirap na hirap ako kanina at bali, okay lang. It involves communication. Right? Test. Women, you are allowed to answer. Are you happy with your... <laughs> lalaki sumagot, lalaki sumagot. Cancel yung cancel, cancel. Erase, pakay sa video, tanggalin. Okay. Are you happy with just your boyfriend or your husband telling you Telling you that he loves you. Or do you want it both spoken and shown? Plus give pa. Okay, that is a way of showing it. You see, it's one thing to say that you love a person, right? It's another thing to show that you love the person. Many times you don't even have to say a single word. 
And your actions speak louder than any word that you can say. So communication is very, very important in a love relationship. It takes commitment, but it also needs communication. Let's look at Proverbs 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of the fools spouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. There's a saying in America, but if you really dissect it, it's not really true. The saying is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. True or not true? It's not true. It's not true. You remember the story between me and Timmy? Oh, hindi ka pwede. Why? No pets allowed. For me, it was a joke. For him, apparently, it was not a joke. Your kid comes from school. You've tutored your kid the whole night. And he comes back. F. Tanga-tanga mo naman. I spent the whole night with you. You didn't understand anything. Are you really my kid? Oh, di ba si Pilipino? Ganun? Anak ba? Hindi mo na alam kung ano sasabihin mo eh. A, but look at look at the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up what? Anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. Did God hear what you told? What you said? The Gospel of Matthew tells us we will be held accountable for every careless word that proceeds from our mouth. Di bali magsasorry na lang ako, maintindihan niya naman yun. The damage is many times done. And sometimes irreversible. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. The book of James tells us the same thing. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, with the same tongue, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Ganda-ganda natin. Our, our communication is so pleasant and so godly where we're in CCF Sunday service. Is that the same way you talk with your fellow man, your co-worker in the office, the person who cut you off on the highway? Or is it still like Chicharron? God knows. Pastor, Hindi ko naman sinabi eh. Hindi naman lumabas yung bibig ko eh. 
Inisip mo ba? Alam din ni God yun. Wala ka rin tayong kawala. Because God knows. He is everywhere. He knows what you're thinking. He knows you're already thinking. Ano kaya ang pagkain mamaya? Hindi ako nag-breakfast eh. Sino kaya ang magpapakain mamaya? Ay, oh, masarap yan. Oh, kunyari pa kayo. Alam ko na sa isip nyo na yan. I already know you're thinking about the food. You know, look, the Bible is telling us with the same tongue. With the same tongue, I bless God. With the same time, I destroy my fellow man. I discourage them. I curse them. And this person is also made in the image and likeness of God. And if that doesn't get you, maybe this will. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. Look at the last line. My brethren. Sino yung my brethren? Tayo, Christians. Those who profess to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My brethren, Paul James writes, these things ought not to be this way. These things ought not to be this way. How does God communicate? Romans 5, 6 to 8. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. What was our spiritual condition during this time? Helpless. Lost because of our sin. For while we were still sinners, just at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Those of you who know Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, will realize and understand that communication is really difficult. Because it says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that will give grace to the hearer according to the need of the moment. So timing is also very important. What to say, what not to say, when to say it, how to say it. Sabi nga ng asawa ko, buti wala siya rito. Hindi ka naman nagsasalita. Ang mukha mo naman sumisigaw. You know what I mean, right? You're not saying, you're not uttering a word. But your face is so contorted that the person knows what you're trying to communicate. Are we understanding each other? How does God communicate? Even if we are still helpless. Verse 7, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. And verse 8, But God, but is a contrast, but God demonstrates His own love towards us. Hindi lang puro salita. God demonstrates for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us to change. He did not wait to be, uh, for us to become better. He died for us just the same. When He says that He loves us, 
He puts it into practice. He shows it to us. He said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how God demonstrates. This is how God shows to us what He is trying to communicate. That He would show it through His action and not merely by words. Because love that we're talking about is unconditional. Human love is conditional. Human love is selfish. Magbago ka muna. Change this first. Then I will love you more. God says, in spite of who you are, in spite of what you have done, I will still love you. And I will still give you an opportunity to spend the rest of your eternity with me in heaven. You see, we, we have a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 devoted to this. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Do you see me playing the drums? If you see me playing the drums, I will almost assure you, this room is empty. Because it will be like clanging cymbals and noisy gong. Because I don't know which to hit at the... You don't see me there. Because I don't know how to play an instrument. But the best drummer, the best guitarist, the best pianist, the best worship leader here, if anyone is up here and doing it not for love, it is useless. It does not matter in eternity because you did it for yourself. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and I do not have love, I am become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. I could be the best preacher who could exegete the deepest and most compound biblical truth for you. But if I do it not motivated by love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's why it is important for us to grasp the biblical concept of love. Because it can even determine where you will spend your eternity. Love is a commitment. Love involves communication. How do we spell CCF? C C F. very simple message. What's the message? CCF. How do you spell C C F? Finish. Let's go home. What's the last? Forgiveness. Love involves forgiveness. Now again, in contrast to how the world defines forgiveness. If you hurt the feelings of somebody, what do you usually do? Uy, sorry, huh? That's it. Tapos, later on, ikaw pang galit. Bakit? Aba, ay, nag-sorry na nga ako sa'yo, ah. <laughs> diba? 
Uy, sorry ha, nasaktan ko, pakir, nasaktan, na-hurt ko yung feelings mo. Sorry na. Malalim ang sugat. So, oh sige. Oh, ba't ganyan ang mukha mo? Nagsorry na ako sa iyo ha. Diba? That happens to all of us, right? You see, forgiveness is not just being sorry. We have a wrong concept of what true forgiveness is. You see, sabi ng Hebrews, oh, according to the law, one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood. Why? Without the shedding of blood, there is what? No forgiveness. No forgiveness. Now, who shed His blood for our forgiveness? Christ. Christ shed His blood. The one who has no sin, the one who did not need to die, shed His blood for our forgiveness. Eh kung ikaw sabihan nito, sorry ha, aba magbubo ka muna ng dugo bago kita patawarin. Eto blade. Sorry ka talaga? O sige, gilitin mo na yan. O tama na dalawang kilo. You see, the concept of the Bible of forgiveness is based on somebody shedding blood. It's a serious thing. So that's why I say, I say I've always you know, shared it with you. Sometimes I, I'm able to do it, sometimes I'm not. But in our family, I have tried to train everyone, myself included. Don't say sorry. Ask for forgiveness. Sino ba yung ka, may Bible tayo na ka-Skype? Nagulat yung ka-Skype, nasa Manila eh. Tama ba yung sinabi ni Pastor Insong? Don't say sorry. Sabi ko sandali, hindi pa tapos. Don't say sorry. Ask for forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? And then you be specific. Will you please forgive me for being harsh with you? Ako, madalas akong ganun. Will you please forgive me for forgetting to, to buy this or whatever? You're asking for forgiveness. Pag sinabi mong sorry, may placard ka. Sorry. Tama na, nag-sorry na eh. Magalit pa. Kasi ayaw tanggapin yung sorry mo eh. Na-hurt yung tao, di ba? Kaya nga, that's why you're asking for forgiveness. That's why you're saying sorry because you hurt the person. So don't just say, have a placard and say, sorry. Ask for forgiveness. It really expresses that you love the person. Oh, I realize that I hurt you. So I'm asking forgiveness. Now look at what God does insofar as forgiveness is concerned. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Sabi nung una, when I was still young in the faith, bakit? As far as the east is from the west, paano yung north tsaka south? <laughs> huh? Have you noticed? For so long as you travel east, you will continue to travel east. For so long as you travel west, you will continue to travel west. But if north and south, guess what? You have a north pole, you have a south pole. You have an end point, you have a beginning point, you have an end point. But if east and west, they will never intersect. So far has He removed our sin. Hebrews 10, 
their sins and lawless deeds, I will, what? Remember no more. Pinatawad mo na ako. Yes. Tapos ginawa mo, mm, ayan ka na naman. 1982, 457. Nasa luneta tayo. Nag- ginawa mo rin yan. Ganyan-ganyan. Ang suot mo, yung maong mo, tapos suot mo yung polong binigay ko. Ganyan-ganyan din ang ginawa mo. Kala ko ba pinatawad mo? Oo, oh, pinatawad na kita, pero ayan na naman eh. Is that forgiveness? As far as the east is from the west, I have removed your transgressions from me. Their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. When God forgives us through the precious blood of His Son, Jesus, if you don't accept that for yourself, the Bible is telling us there is no other way to be forgiven because forgiveness has already been given in Christ. And if you do not accept that forgiveness, look, there is no longer any offering for sin. Now, what did Jesus Christ do? When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. What was happening to Jesus during this time? He was being crucified. The most painful death that another human can inflict on another human being. Yet, what were the words that came out from his mouth? He prayed. He prayed for those who were executing him. He prayed for those who were mocking him. He said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. In our relationships, maybe, maybe somebody has told this to you too. Yeah, he can forgive because he is like he is God. I'm not God, so I cannot forgive. Are you a Christian? Yes. Have you received the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ? Yes. So why don't you forgive him? I I cannot forgive him. God forgave. Ay kaya nga siya kaya nga siya napatawad ni God kasi God siya. Eh. Pero ako hindi ko siya kayang patawarin. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. If you say you're a Christian and you're not willing to forgive people, will you please check yourself? Examine yourself. Because God expects those who have accepted His forgiveness 
to be a channel of forgiveness to those who are called to be part of his kingdom. I have no capacity to forgive. But because I have received the forgiveness of God, God expects me to be a channel, a conduit, a conductor of forgiveness. And if I'm not willing to forgive, I have to examine myself. Am I really a child of God? Because one of the sure ways that I can learn for myself that I am a child of God is I'm willing to forgive others. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say up to you up to seven times, but to seventy times seven. You see, in their time, seven was a perfect number. So they were asking about, oh, God, seven times na yan, ha? Perfect na yan, ha? Ano sabi ni Jesus Christ? No. Seventy times seven. So ikaw naman, literal ka. Dali, bibili akong calculator. Oy, malapit ka na, ha? Seventy times, four hundred ninety. Nasa four hundred seventy-eight ka na. Dose na lang. No. The principle is this. Keep on forgiving. They hurt you, forgive them. They keep on hurting you, keep on forgiving them. Why? Bahala na si God sa kanila. Ang God is expecting of us, as we have been forgiven, so also should we forgive others. And don't just say that you forgive your brother, your sister, or the person of you have hurt you. Because look, my heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive your brother. Where? From the heart. Now, in between 21 and 35, there's a story about the unforgiving slave. I didn't have time to share that with you. Because the more important thing is that when we forgive, it's not, it should not be lip service. When we forgive, we should forgive from the heart. Hindi ko kayang patawarin, Pastor. May heart issue ka. Because God tells us that when we forgive, we should forgive from the heart. Now, we have somebody in Manila who is from CCF. He was invited to my son's wedding. He did not go to the wedding. He's a Christian. He's been a Christian long time. I think ahead of me. Did not go. So, he called my son. Sorry, ha, I could not come. I wanted to see your dad. So, why didn't you come? Uh, I'm not ready to face the people who are there, part of your... Oh. What's the issue? heart issue. If you have forgiven the person, you can be in the same room, in close quarters with the person. Maybe you used to hate this person. Are you Christian? Yes. Why can't you be in the same person, in the same room with this person? Understand what I'm saying? So how do we spell love? Commitment, communication, forgiveness. So when you remember CCF. Remember, it is one way to spell love. We must be committed. We must have good communication. Not only words, but action. And we must be able 
to forgive others as well as we must be able also to accept the forgiveness of others. You see, God told us in John 15, This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus Christ modeled it. He exemplified it for us. He laid down his life for our forgiveness, for the salvation of our souls. And he tells us, you are my friends. What is the condition? If you do what I command. You see, if you love God, His commandments will not be burdensome to you. He says, I give this to you, the commandments, so that my joy may be in you. So the burdens, the commandments of God should not be burdensome to us. God, I'm doing this for you. It's going to cost me, but it costs you more. So I'm willing to do this because this reflects who I am. I am really a child of God because I am willing to forgive others just as I have accepted forgiveness from you. I'd like to share with you as I close this story about selfless, sacrificial love. You remember our definition of love? Unconditional commitment directed towards imperfect people seeking their highest good that often requires sacrifice. Let me share with you this story. Two brothers were playing on the sandbanks of a river. This is in Oklahoma. Unfortunately, the mound was not solid and their weight, the two of them, caused them both to sink quickly. When the boys did not return home for dinner, the family and neighbors organized a search. They found the younger brother unconscious with his head and shoulders sticking out above the sand. When they cleared the sand to his waist, he awakened. The searchers asked, Where is your brother? The child replied, I'm standing on his shoulders. With the sacrifice of his own life, the older brother lifted the younger brother to safety. Biblical love is selfless. How did the younger brother survive? He stood on the shoulders of his elder brother who was underneath. Only the younger brother survived because the elder brother was willing to sacrifice his life for the life of his younger brother. See, in God's eyes, all of us are not worthy to go to heaven. Sin pays its wage, death. But God, our Father, sacrificed His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die so that you and I can live. God is committed to us. God has communicated this message to us. And He has forgiven us of our sins through Jesus Christ. Are you willing to accept that? And are you willing to dispense the same commitment, communication, and forgiveness towards others? 
I hope we all do. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your unselfish love, your unconditional love. And that you have commit, committed to us, Lord, the message of reconciliation. That you have communicated your love to us, Lord, through your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And that through his sacrifice, we who are deserving of death are going to spend eternal life with you in heaven. Lord, will you allow us, Lord God, not to take your love for granted, but to really value it, to nurture it, Lord God, to be able to communicate it. Allow us to begin our own homes, Lord God, to our spouse, to our children. Bring it out to the workplace. Bring it out to the people on the streets, Lord God. And as the song we sang this morning said, shout it out, Lord, that you are God, that you are holy, but you love us just the same. Lord God, we lift up to you this message. You be the one, Lord, to impress in our hearts, Lord, what you want us to apply in our lives so that the glory goes to you. Father, we lift up to your sister Anne. Lord, they're so committed to you that despite what you have allowed uh, our sister Anne to go through in her personal life, Lord, in her journey with you, Lord, you have revealed another aspect of yourself to her that no one can ever change or take away. Lord, bless the work of their hands, Lord, in CCF in southern Mindanao, Father God. Lord, we unite our hearts in praying for her, Lord God, as she is asked for a complete cure. And because you are Jehovah Rapha, you are our healer, Lord God, we entrust her health into your hands, knowing that in your good, perfect timing and in your will, Lord, you will even give her the desires of her heart. Bless her, bless Toffee, bless their children, and bless the work of their hands. And bless the balance of our time, Lord. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen.